What's up, rockers? Welcome to another episode of the Talk Louder podcast, where we geek out on all things rock and roll. Hit that subscribe button on our YouTube channel. Leave us your likes and comments. You can also leave likes and comments on our Facebook page. Follow us on iTunes, Spotify, Instagram at talklouder underscore podcast. And of course, our website, talklouderpodcast.com, where you'll find links to our merch and all of our previous episodes. I'm Metal Dave Glessner, along with my co-host, Jason McMaster. And today we're doing uh, something a little different, I think. Uh, I don't know that we've ever had a guest who plays in a tribute band. Uh, Today we've got Mike Mraz from the Dallas-based ACDC tribute band of 20 years. They're called Back in Black. Uh, And they are a legit working tribute band. They do about 100 gigs a year. They play good-sized venues. Uh, they are the subject of a documentary that's currently on Amazon Prime. It's called My Stupid Tribute Band. And uh, it's basically the story of the band Back in Black. And one of the highlights, if <laughs> I say this, I try to downplay this as if I could, but they were actually contacted by ACDC, uh, who was interested in their singer, Darren, when Brian Johnson was sidelined with hearing issues in 2016. So this documentary, My Stupid Tribute Band, covers the entire gamut of what it takes to keep a tribute band happening for 20 years, uh, how they got the attention of ACDC, how they were flown out to audition for ACDC. And uh, it's really insightful and really cool. And what a great perspective. I almost brought Simon up to Mike and and because, you know, we we, I don't know, forced, quote, you know, uh, asked uh, Simon about his audition for ACDC because yeah. uh, Simon describes it as he didn't know who he was auditioning for until he walked in and saw road cases with ACDC logos on them. So right. I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, oh, shit, now, guys... I knew who, now I knew who I'm auditioning for. You know, they didn't give him songs to learn or shit. They just, yo, you're a drummer. <clears throat> cool come on in and play some songs and he walks in and it's fucking acdc so yeah yeah so mike and uh you know they're based in the dallas area they're called back in black been at it for 20 years jason was even in the band for uh you know a couple gigs or something well, well let me be let me be clear uh david beeson from broken teeth on uh, as as malcolm has subbed for their their malcolm uh romero who is an awesome guy he's a He's a super friend. I've actually kind of known Romero since like 1989. Uh, this is kind of an interesting, cool story. Romero told one of the first time that it, we talk about it in this episode with Mike Mraz, who plays Angus Young in Back in Black. When I show up and, and Romero's there, he's like, I'm like, hi, I'm Jason. He goes, no, I, I know you when you, on your first Dangerous Toys tour, when you came through Oklahoma City, I was living there and my band opened for you and you took us on your bus and we hung out and your video was debuting that night and you 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 had us watch it there with you and it was awesome and you were, I'll always remember that. And like, that made me like feel really good. Wow. That this this guy who was just in another band and I treated like him. who was in an, he was in another band cause it was just like no big deal to me. You know, it was like, all right, rock and roll people. And nothing has changed in the way that, you know what I'm saying? It's uh, yeah. hard to explain that little immediate care that we had for each other. When, when he told me that story, it was the first thing out of Romero's mouth. But anyway, David Beeson uh, subs for Romero sometimes 
not so much anymore because they're so busy. Uh, but you know, some of the back and black guys have other jobs mm-hmm. uh, that keep them busy sometimes where they can't. So they they do have sub rare rare now because they're doing so well. Yeah. Uh, and I have had the uh, blessing and the great opportunity to sub for Back in Black, and it's so fun, and they're so cool, and they're so good. Um, off and on for a couple of years, I'd done you know handful of shows on base, on base, and it was such a blast. Um, so so yeah, I mean having uh, Mike here today to talk about Darren's audition for ACDC. And inside of that, as well as the the making of the documentary, which he almost pretty much soul handedly made himself uh, with his crew and friends. And I, I think he did mention that he had an investor. And that's that's really uh, uh, probably key in getting it done and turned in so he could shop it. And yeah. now that it's uh, that it's on Amazon, I would say that there's. Uh, some returns and it's probably going to do really good. I know I enjoyed it thoroughly when I watched it. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. And uh, man, I, the thing I took away from it is just how good Darren is at playing the role of Brian Johnson and Bon Scott. Yeah. And it's no wonder ACDC was interested in him. Uh, he, you know, all the guys in the band play the characters to a T which yeah. is uh, helps that believability factor that we talk about today yeah. uh, when it comes to tribute bands. So we, we've, yeah. we've had, uh, you know, we've talked about tribute bands uh, and replacement singers mm-hmm. and to tribute or not to tribute is the question, you know, we've had on this show before you'll have to dig way back because talk louder podcast has been around for over, for about two years now. So there's, it's an older episode where we, the do's and don'ts and the goods and the bads about all that and how people feel about it. And we actually talked to Mike Mraz today uh, about that exact feeling of yeah. the haters as we, we don't like to call them, but uh, sometimes they're, they're a bit nasty when they, when they talk about tribute bands and look, people are just trying to have fun and find their smiles. And, and that's exactly what, uh, a spectator is doing when they're going to see an ACDC tribute band or any kind of tribute band. If they're a, a real fan of that band, they're gonna they're gonna enjoy themselves at a at a especially at a Back in Black show because they the guys on stage care and they do a great job. And um, you know, getting to work with Darren and seeing the band live uh, from the greatest seat in the house. It's not front row. It's in front of the front row. Yeah. Uh, I, I enjoy being up there and hear Darren, uh, you know, communicate with the, with the audience and, 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 uh, and bash the guys in the band a little bit and, and even brag on them a little bit and, and be the front man because he's, he's not being in between songs. This is probably a good thing. He's not saying or acting out what Brian or Bon would would do. He's being himself in between songs, uh, right. way more than than you would think, um, and and that would probably be uh, a cheese cutter, you know, if you were going to actually announce the songs and pretend right. that that was really Angus and that was really Cliff and that was you know whatever whoever the dude is wearing, next to you wearing a costume. So. Yeah. It was it was awesome to to see the human side of of guys just just doing a great job of paying tribute to ACDC. 
Yeah, well put. There is a lot of human factor that comes across in this discussion. I think yeah. that's what I really enjoyed. And that human factor extends all the way right up to ACDC. Uh, we find out in talking with Mike today just how humble and real and working class those guys are, you know, even though they're legends. Uh, so, yeah, really insightful. Who gets to tell that story? Oh, my God. So, yeah, yeah I think we end it with me saying something like, Look, Mike, you didn't start a tribute band so you could meet and hang out with ACDC. Yeah, it just kind of happened. You didn't start a tribute band so your singer could get so good he would be invited to go audition for ACDC. Yeah. You know, yeah. And uh, that just per sort of puts everything in perspective. And you have to be a human being and think about business. And you, there's no time for fanboy and all that stuff. It's, you have to, it's business. And uh, they're doing they're doing a great a job. You know, it's it's dirty deeds, and it it's not so cheap anymore. It's actually, <laughs> they're they're actually making money and doing well. And uh, as we go to tape this podcast, uh, my tribute, my stupid tribute band, the movie uh, about the tribute band ACDC tribute band Back in Black is now number one on amazon.com so people wow. check it out and you make a decision uh on your own about whether you want to go see these guys you know or not yeah yeah great conversation great stories today mike mraz from back in black on the talk louder podcast <laughs> You know, Mike, thanks for being here today. Appreciate it. Of course, uh, we we wish Darren would could be here as well, but we we know how it is. Right. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> we do. We know how it is. Right. Uh, right. Me well, me being l lucky enough to have been invited into your inner sanctum, uh, I feel blessed and lucky to have been able to work with such awesome people. I'm right back at you. Thank you. We're always excited to play with you, buddy. Thank, thank you. Uh, that I, I have been there. I've been to the top of the mountain, and I have seen the restless tribes uh, work with each other. And uh, I, I get it. I understand. Right. How right. your how your camp is, and and it's it's uh, you know that the way a family works that it's kind of like not all. It's not. It's no one's drawn a straight line, but everybody meets in the middle. That's rock and roll, man. So. Absolutely, he doesn't even have he doesn't have a computer at his house. Well, well why? Well, yeah. he can, but he's That's rock and roll. Yeah, yeah, that is rock and roll. <laughs> but he, amen, right? But he does have uh, video games. Oh yeah, he's got a PlayStation Five that he uses hourly. Okay, okay, well, well, he, he can play some goddamn video games, but priorities can't he get online? And I mean, we would let him play his video games while he was doing the podcast. That would, be See, that would have been the deal breaker. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, uh, he's missed, and I just kind of wanted to see his face. But anyway, um, uh, so let's just start with the documentary. Okay. So me and Dave have both recently, you know, paid our five bucks and and seen the seen the film, and uh. uh I mean, eventually I'm going to probably buy the DVD just so I have the hard copy, but, uh, the, the, I don't even know really where to start other than, uh, I'm so glad that you did that because, uh, your, uh, your, your 
your um let's see you you kind of win in my book by calling the movie the the very apt title my stupid tribute band because it tells the world i mean i already know how you guys work but for for someone like dave or anybody else to know how uh humble you guys are and real you guys are just as musicians who well i don't want to I mean, this sounds shitty, but, and I don't really know you guys well enough to be able to put words in your mouth and go, well, I don't want to work at Starbucks. And I've spent countless hours of learning how to play guitar or sing or whatever my, my instrument is. I want to, I want to do this and it doesn't matter who wrote the fucking song. I want to play music. So I'm going to be a professional musician whatever it takes. Oh shit. If I can do it with people I respect, why not? At that point, again, I bring it up. It doesn't matter what songs this band, how I'm dressing on set. I get to play my fucking guitar every day and sleep at night comfortably. Tell us about your idea and then, you know, reasons why you wanted to tell the story other than the obvious about Darren and the ACDC audition. Right. Well, I mean, honestly, I've always called it a stupid tribute band. You know, Jason, you know firsthand how hard it is to do anything in the music business, you know. And uh, man, I tried, as you saw in the video, I, and it, it was I mean, it's a lot of work. I mean, it's a being, and, and, and there's so many talented people. And when I was living in LA, um, I was actually playing um, on the Sony Music softball team, and it was made up of all the A&R guys, you know? Um, and that's when uh, Randy Jackson was heading it up over there. And I got to meet those guys, and holy cow, the tapes and the CDs in their office and all the bands that were submitting product and then all the bands that they signed that weren't going anywhere. It, it just opened my eyes, you know, the, the, the true business aspect of music and how tough it is, you know. Um, and so, you know, I kind of put it aside a little bit and then, you know, and then I just thought, well, I just want to have fun. And, and like you just said, I, I want to play guitar. And, and um, when I started the tribute thing, I wanted to keep it humble. I didn't want to be serious. I didn't want to think I was ACDC. I'll never be ACDC. I'll never be Angus. Um, but I wanted to just have fun and do it. You know, it's still a side project. And that was my intention of doing it. I just wanted to play, just to, for the love of playing. Um, and so, you know, I always call it my stupid tree band. And when I started doing the documentary, um, I, I did it because we made it to 20 years. And again, being in a band for 20 years is a huge accomplishment, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's tough. It's really tough. And um, so I thought, you know, that's pretty special. So, and I knew I had the footage because I would always record the band. I've, I've always felt the video camera was such a great tool, you know, to record a rehearsal, record myself playing guitar, you know, record the band at the show. And I kept all the damn tapes. So well, I know a lot of people, I, I, I interrupt you for a second. Sure. A lot of people don't realize just, you know, music fans or e sometimes even other musicians, they don't realize that recording yourself is how you fucking get better. Right. 
Right. Oh shit, I'm fu- I've been playing that wrong for, you know, when you really fucking listen to it and tear it apart. That's right. how you get better. That's how you work on tone. That's how you work on your technique. That's how you work on everything is recording yourself and listening back. It's like watching the dailies if you're making a movie. If you don't do exactly. that, you go, oh, fuck, the, the microphone was in the shot. We have to reshoot right. that whole fucking thing. If you don't listen to what's really coming through the fucking speakers, you never know if you suck or not. Right, right, yeah. So I, I had all that great footage and, and I just took my time. I, I knew putting a documentary together would be a beating. I knew it would take a lot of time and I didn't know if I wanted to do it. So I said, okay, I'm just going to do the intro. I'm just doing the first three minutes. And, and if, I, if I think it's decent, I'll keep going. And that's what I did. I started piecing it together and I'm like, I think I can do this. You know, I think it's turning out pretty good. Um, and I, you know, I had the story with ACDC, you know, Darren going to audition for those guys. I thought that could be my little pinnacle, uh, and my hook and, uh, that son of a gun. Yeah. It turned out so good. I'm so proud of it. Yeah. yeah. Well, you should be. It was a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun watching. I felt like I had a backstage pass, you know, yeah. being yeah. able to watch that and see the inner workings. And I felt like I was meeting your earliest inception without me without being in person so that was that's what i liked about the film is all of the players the ones going and coming you know new guy new guy new guy i came back uh i have to leave because i can't do the traveling you know all of the the ladders if you will Mm -hmm. where where the pegs are you know oh okay right um was very interesting and i think gives insight to just bands who want to you know, young bands who are just trying to play rock and roll, whether they're original or a stupid tribute band. Right. And yeah, that's right. I'm hoping that that movie, uh, it's appealing to all musicians, you know, not just anybody in a tribute band. It's, it's, I think all musicians are, are appreciating this movie. That's why it's showing some success right now. Um, but then I was going back to the title, you know, I, I always call it, you know, it's, it's my stupid tribute band. We're, you know, come on out and see us, you know, and then all of a sudden we started getting the success. And then even after the success, even after the audition, it still felt silly. But then after I made that documentary and I put the time and I looked back and I saw, holy cow, look at all we went through. And then I, I, I truly had the epitome when I was making that documentary. I did not plan it out like that. But when I came to that summary at the end, it just all came together. You know, it's just yeah. it's real honest. What are some, tell us about the mechanics without, without getting too much in the weeds, but so you decide you want to do this documentary and you've got this footage and that's fine and good, but how do you actually pitch it and make it available on television? How do you get from point A to, to, to the finished product that's available to the viewing public? That, that's a good question. It's probably a little bit like, if I may, uh, submitting a demo to a label. It's, it's a, almost the exact same process as, in the olden days, like back when we were uh, uh, rocking with record companies, sure. uh, to pitch in, uh, you know a demo to a record company, it's the same process with the films. So when I finished the documentary, I didn't let anybody look at it for a long time. You know, I just kept tweaking it, and I finally let a couple people see it. And um, when I lived out in LA, I used to work at MGM Motion Pictures, so I knew some people out there. So I threw it their way, and I got some more professional opinions, and they said I had something good. And what you do is when you get a movie done, you submit it to film festivals. Um, 
unless unless you get offered a, a deal right away by somebody, but that's that's like a shot in a million. Right. Um, so you submit it to film festivals, and um, that's how you get some views, you know, and some exposure. Then you get some awards, and you start building credibility. And then distributors are always looking at these film festivals, you know, looking to pick up new content. And now there's so many different streaming platforms out there. Um, you know, it's there's it's it's you can make a movie and you can get it out there. You know, it's not like uh, it's not cutthroat. You know, yeah. but fortunately, um, through my help uh, uh, with the guys at the MGM, they helped me get into Amazon. Um, uh, they they. Uh, gave me a couple of names and a couple of references and that helped me get on Amazon. So that was a great break. You, when you use the analogy about a demo tape, so are you shopping the finished product or do you hand like a rough edit to somebody and then they say, Hey, you have something and then you go and clean it up and finish it. Or is it done in this case? I, I had a finished product, um, but you can do it both ways. You know, there are, you can do a little rough draft and then they'll, they'll give you the green light to continue it. Or, you know, if you want to raise some funds, that's the way of doing it. But I just wanted to do it on my own. I figured if I, if worst comes to worst, I don't get distribution. I'll put it on social media to be a great marketing uh, tool for the band. Um, but it, it, people were telling me it was good. And we test screened it here in Dallas and it went really well. And that gave me the confidence to, you know, to get it out to the public. Um, and, and yeah, here we are so far. We're an Amazon bestseller. That's yeah. amazing. Congratulations. Crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. Congrats. Crazy. That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah. So the band is called Back in Black. You've been around for 20 years, two decades of doing ACDC, uh, this tribute band. Uh, what got you hooked on ACDC? I've always been a big ACDC fan. Um, you know, uh, being a guitar player, I was influenced by the guitar players that were animated on stage. I loved Ace Freely, you know. You know, I loved um, Rick Nielsen from Cheap Trick, you know, Angus Young. Um I, love, I don't care too much for the guys to just stand there and play guitar. You know, I want I want to be entertained. And so uh, I remember I saw uh, ACDC one night um, back in the day to catch a great cool band. You'd stay up late Friday and Saturday night, and watch Don Kirshner's rock concert, Midnight Special. And uh, I saw my Midnight Special. They played Sin City and Angus had his backpack on. And man, he gave 300 percent on that performance and went out and bought Power Rage the next day. Yeah, yeah. I watched, there's a great video of uh, Walk All Over You, and you watch Angus, and you're just like, oh, my God, he must have lost 20 pounds in sweat just doing that clip because he's just a maniac. You Young know? Angus was a maniac for sure. Yeah. It's crazy. So you're, let's talk about your original music for a moment because it seems to me, where are you from originally? I'm from Chicago. That's uh, home at the Bears and Coach Ditka. The Bears. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to name the album Dead Guy, but I couldn't do it. <laughs> oh, well. Akadaka. Akadaka. Yeah. yeah. Right. In my stupid tribute band, Akadaka, Back in Black. AC um, Ditka. Yeah, AC Ditka. <laughs> <laughs> Good one. Oh, I would have known that. Good one, Dave. <laughs> that would have gone well uh, in the Midwest, for sure. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, you know, you didn't just, I mean, 20 years, okay, but what about, you know, I'm not trying to age you here. What about the 20 years earlier? Tell us about, yeah, I, tell us about you and your, and your guitars and your influence and when, when you, what's the first song you learned and, and give us a little background on, 
on that. I know you touch on some of that stuff, but it's it's more like it starts in L.A., right? Right. Yeah. Well, um, you know, growing up in Chicago, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take you way back and make it quick. Good. Do it. Uh, my dad was a drummer in one of the top polka bands. That's right. right. You you, meant, yeah. you talk about that in the movie. I think that that's kick ass. Yeah. And I'd hear a song on the radio and I'd go see him play and I'd sit, you know, behind him and play the bells and the tambourine. And man, as you guys know, being in a live band is the greatest. I mean, just the sounds going all around you. And even though it was polka music, they started, they were doing some top 40 stuff. And no, that's like uh, early thrash. Yeah. That polka is like early thrash music. You forget about it. People, you know, motor- and I've seen those Polish weddings and those, I think those oh, my God. doing the polka were early thrashers. <laughs> the drummer is busy. That band is going for it up there, man. It's like, yeah, a, it's, yeah, it's early mosh for sure. <laughs> so anyway, I started on the drums and, you know, in high school I'm playing drums and uh, I got sick of carrying the drums around because you had to, Send them up downstairs in your basement, pack them up at rehearsal, take them to your friend's house, set them up, take them down, bring them back, bring them down to the basement again. And so I picked up the guitar and, uh, you know, back then I was in, totally into Kiss and ACDC and Rick Nielsen. And and I just started plucking away on the guitar and uh, it was uh, my last year in high school and uh, just never put it down. And uh, I loved it. And, and I, you know, had lots of bands, did some top 40 bands in college. And um, then I moved out to L.A. I didn't move out to L.A., though, to, you know, make it in the music business. I, I got an, a, an incredible opportunity to uh, go into video game sales and PC game oh, sales. Oh, cool. And, um, and uh, then I started a little side band of originals in L.A. Okay. Um, but I never went all in. And I was going to ask you about this, Jason, you know. I always was practical and I don't, I don't know if that's good or bad, but, um, you know, I, I think to be a, a musician, sometimes you just got to throw everything to the side and just give 110%, you know, and I didn't do that. I was practical. I had this good job and I was just trying to do the music thing, you know, when I can, did, did you go all in w- with your career like that? No, no. no? Yeah, okay. I was, I was practical. That's the perfect word for it. I, I, okay, had, yeah, but yeah. I had what I call disposable jobs. Okay. You know, I work at Sonic Drive-In. I I, right. I I was a pizza cook. Uh, whatever. I've roasted coffee beans. I've uh, worked construction. Uh, it, it was it was similar to Darren's, a little bit like Darren's story, where sure. in your story that you're telling, uh, very practical. Right. Um. I I never I didn't move to L.A. I didn't have any offers for any kind of work so I could be practical out somewhere else, you know, right, right. you know, whether I was closer to the biz or not. Uh, I was very much, I mean, I'm a high school dropout. Uh, I was so into my band, uh, which was Watchtower for those of you who know, my book of work, uh, the, it, it was like, uh, well, I I'm rehearsing like four nights a week and I have my own place. So that doesn't leave a whole lot of time for anything else other than work to feed myself, pay the bills, rent, and then go to rehearsal. 
Right. And we would right. play maybe once a month, maybe twice a month if we could get an out of town thing. And that was about it. And we were kind of had a good rumble around. I mean, Texas is big, thank God. So we could roll the Corpus, San Antonio, Houston, Dallas, Fort Worth. You know, we could stretch out a lot. I mean, you could go on tour for a week in Texas. Everybody, every working band in the world knows that. You know this. Texas is such a great music state. Yeah. You know this because yeah. you're yeah. doing it currently. Right, right. So, the, um, so, yeah, it was always practical until... Uh, someone just saw us and went, oh, shit. And then there was a bag of money on the table that we just we just had to agree to, to take it. Right, right. Yeah, that's awesome. Hey, I, you know, when I was out in L.A., just, you know, guys were like, uh, we need you to quit your job. You know, we're living in this apartment. These girls are paying for our groceries. And, you know, I didn't want to do that. I didn't that doesn't sound, it doesn't yeah. sound correct to me. Difficult yeah. to sustain that. Yeah. 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 It, it, yeah. So, so anyway, I, you know, so I was knocking around, we did some, uh, original music out in LA and we played all the rooms out there and it was a blast. And, you know, that's what I get into in the documentary. Uh, but again, it's so hard and it's so competitive in that market, you know, yeah. LA is just, there's so many musicians and it's so hard to get any decent time slots. And, um, during that time for sure. Oh yeah, it was, yeah. and they were doing the pay-to-play stuff out there too. Right. It's ridiculous. Right. They you still know? do that. That's still happening. Yeah. No kidding, really. Yeah. Yeah. God bless Texas. That's all I can say. Yeah. No shit, right? Yeah, cool. I think if yeah, if I would have stayed in LA and started an ACDC tribute band, it wouldn't have taken off like. So you're so you're in LA, and this is the movie. Uh, we're we're referring the movie as my stupid pr- tribute band, which is the basically the life and times of. Uh, back in black ACDC tribute fan out of the DFW area. That's we're talking to Mike Mraz uh, who plays Angus Young. So, so you're in LA and, and Darren, you need a singer and you know, Darren already. Yeah. Darren how do you know, and I were, do you know uh, Darren already? We, uh, we auditioned him for our original band in LA back in 1989. How did he and, get to LA? Cause he's from New York. What is he doing in LA from New York? Oh, uh, that's a good question. I know this. He, I think his brother moved out there to do a painting business and okay. he followed his brother and he was uh, trying to do that. And then he was also doing stunt work. He had a cousin oh, that's out right. there. Yeah. yeah. So he knew he would go out there and paint and then he'd do some stunt work. And uh, we've got some of the stunts featured in the movie. Yeah, which are yeah that's <laughs> excellent. I, something new for me to know about Darren Caperna. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's crazy. So how did you how did you connect with him then in L.A. Uh, and 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 get this off the ground? Yeah. Did he answer an ad for your original? Yeah. So as you guys probably know, a big uh, uh, magazine out there called Music Connection. Yeah. And they always had a big um, musicians, musicians wanted needed um, section. And we placed an ad, our band placed an ad. And he came bopping into our rehearsal room. And um, he has... As you've experienced yourself, he has a real powerful voice. He's a, yeah. a very strong voice. I mean, you have an incredible voice. And, and he has a very powerful voice, yeah. too. And um, so we were doing the original stuff, and then uh, we started closing the night out with an ACDC cover song, you know, just for fun if we ever got an encore. And, boy, those jaded musicians, all those people and the club owners, they just all of a sudden turned and looked at us at the stage because he sang it so well, you know. And so that was always in the back of my mind. And when I got out to Texas, you know, uh, I, I started getting this to play again. I thought, man, I just, let's get him out here and just have one night and we'll play. It'd be my bowling night, be my, my night out drinking with the guys. And we're just going to play music. Sure. 
and um, first couple shows sucked. <laughs> and then all of a sudden we started getting a little better. And you're talking um, back in black. Back in black, yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So so when, so that Genesis comes from an encore ACDC too. Do, do you recall what song it was? Yeah, it was uh, Touch Too Much. Nice. Oh, Such good. a good one, man. So, yeah. so, okay. In the movie, if I may sort of pump the brakes for a second, in the movie, when you guys are starting this genesis of Back in Black, it's not, nah, it's not really you guys. I mean, I think you might have been wearing the Angus uh, outfit, but no one else is really trying to look the part yet. Oh. Not even Darren was really but, trying to look the part. That's what yeah. I was saying. I think I see footage in there where he's wearing like uh, a button-up shirt with the sleeves cut off, and it's about three sizes too big for him, if I recall. <laughs> <laughs> and it was flannel. Yeah, he's yeah. he's not here, so I can say it looked really yeah. bad. It looked yeah. bad. Yeah. It didn't. And his even, head was all shaved. Yeah, his he he looked like he had just gotten out of the army and he was a practicing criminal. <laughs> <laughs> is what he looked like, uh, which can be threatening. And you know what? I got to say, the guys in Rose Tattoo and even sometimes in old ACDC photos, they look like practicing criminals. Yeah. They're very real blue collar, hardworking, uh, steelworking construction type people that love this sort of pub rock. And I, I love bands like that as I've I've fessed up my love for for that that idea of how rock and roll should look like and feel like because in the words of angry and i've said this to angry anderson from rose tattoo he says if if it doesn't have swagger it's not rock and roll so it doesn't matter what you're wearing naked shirtless no hair full hair it doesn't fucking matter and acdc's always flown that flag so oh, sure. it didn't really matter to me a whole lot, but it's interesting how to get to see the uh, morph, the morphing of of what a tribute band becomes in order to make it, this is cheesy for me to say, believable. Right. For, people, right. for the audience to actually be able to squint and go, holy shit, they even look right. like it, you know, so... About when did that start happening with you? With you guys? Yeah, when, the, when did you have a? When did you call a band meeting and go, "Hey, Darren, you need to you need to put some kind, you know, you need to get some some follicles and you need like a tight shirt. Get let's get our let's get this shit looking right and don't just come here straight from work. Why don't you go and right. make sure or whatever? What do you say to the bass player? What do you say to the drummer? Right. Et cetera. Well, when we did the first couple of gigs, we were just kind of, um, you know, it was, the, it was the night before that very first show that I I decided, well, hell, I'll just throw on an Angus outfit and have some fun with it, you know. There um, there weren't any tribute bands or maybe one or two tribute bands in Dallas, so there wasn't any formula or nothing really to compare ourselves to. Um, but the first few shows, Jason, we... Uh, we just wanted to see if we can kind of do it, I guess, you know? Mm, right. And then um, we started getting that success. And then in the documentary, you see when we did that big bone um, bash, um, right. we opened up for Blue Oyster Cult. And um, and I remember before that show, I bought the Malcolm guitar, uh, the Gretsch for my guitar player. Because I'm thinking, you know, we got to look a little bit like them. Try, you know? yeah. And, and after we had that success, that's when Darren and I, sat down with the guys and said you know what 
let's really F this up. We have something. Look what happened already. And if we really start, you know, um, instead of being like uh, Uncle Bob and my drinking buddies, you know, starting a tribute band, <laughs> let's let's try to do this really good, you know, and, and do it proud and justice. Look like we give a shit. Right. Yeah. Um, but that's the thing about the tribute band industry. You know, there's some bands that do it and it's just so amazing. Like, you know, um, the guys in the Queen tribute and uh, there's uh, uh, Van Halen and a Metallica tribute. And man, when they when it's done right, it's it's really incredible. But then there's still some bands out there that aren't really trying too hard. And it, it kind of gives the whole scene a bad, you know, bad look, I guess. Yeah, that, I mean, talk a little bit about that because, you know, uh, tribute bands and cover bands, whatever you want to call them, they've always had this stigma attached to them and people will critique you and they'll say, you're you're not playing original music, you're just ripping off somebody else, blah, blah, blah. But um, I agree that, that when it's done right, and you guys do it right, I watched that movie and I was like, okay, the guys, to Jason's point, the you know your 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 Cliff Williams has the striped T-shirt. Your your Malcolm has the Gretsch. Uh, it, Darren is a piece of work, man. I mean, he does that Brian Johnson thing to the max. I mean, with the hat, the brim on the you know the little move and the hunched over and the and he does Bond Scott amazing too. That herky jerky thing that Bond does with his shoulders. So you guys have clearly studied the band, um, and it's got to be uh, you know. Th- Talk about the frustration of the stigma that comes with being in a tribute band when you put so much work into it. Yeah, it's um, that's that's the one little down part about that. It's we don't really deal with it too much though. But I, I know some people frown on the whole tribute scene, um, but we're just fans of the music, and um, you know, and a lot of great musicians in the tribute scene, you know, they they're like. They're like me, you know, they try to make it and it's, and it's so hard and the music physics sucks. So here we are, it's like, God, we learn how to play guitar, we love to play. And here's a here's a great opportunity to, you know, get people into the clubs and, um, you know, when people come to a tribute show, they kind of know what to expect, you know, rather than if they come to see, you know, an original band. Um, I love original bands, I love original music. It's just, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a different form. Um, and it's pretty amazing how much it's grown. I mean, uh, all all cities now have you know tribute bands, and UK has this big award show. So, um, and some of the real bands have become tribute bands. So, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's crazy. <laughs> you know? you're, yeah, you're fucking right. Yeah, <laughs> right. Talk, so, yeah. Talk, talk a little bit about that because you guys are are a legit working band. So give me a sense of how the you know in the in the case of Back in Black, how many gigs do you do a year, and what size venues are you playing? Because I know you did a whole House of Blues tour, and those are good quality, sizable venues. So when we when we're talking to you today, I want people to understand the magnitude of what Back in Black does because you definitely are not the neighborhood cover band. No, so tell, you, me, back tell me about how many shows, how many yeah, shows a year and, and what size venues. There's a footprint. You guys have a footprint. Yeah. Sure. We're so lucky. Um, we're, we've been doing about a hundred shows a year. You know, we're weekend warriors. Um, and that's where the, the demand is too. Our, our demographic wants to come out on Friday and Saturday nights. You know, it's hard for us to play, you know, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesdays. Um, so we just <clears throat> align it on the weekends. Um, you will hit a, a zone on a Friday or Saturday night. Um, 
you know, like Live Nation has been so good to us from the very beginning. I've got such a great relationship with those guys. You know, we've played all the House of Blues in a lot of their venues. Uh, we've partnered together and we put on uh, a huge tribute festival here in Dallas um, called uh, Jack's Throwback. Uh, we're going to try to put another one together this year or possibly next year. Um, yeah, and, and we play a lot of great festivals. Uh, the casinos are embracing tribute bands now. Um, and, it's, and it's still fun even to play some good old rockin' bars, too. So uh, it, it's crazy. Uh, like our, our, our rhythm guitarist Romero says, you know, he says, I joined the band. It's like one day we're playing, you know, House of Blues is packed, and one day you're playing this dive bar over there, and it's just as fun. Yeah, you know? yeah. It's well, important, the point that I w- important yeah. to have that perspective, too, if I may add. I, I, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. And I, I wanted to hear you say something like, you know, 100 gigs a year is nothing to sneeze at, you know, so that that's that's pretty substantial. And, the, you know, and you've been doing it for 20 years and you've been growing this thing. And so, again, going back to the details. So as someone who now has studied ACDC inside and out, have you and the guys in the band learned anything about the music or the playing because you've become such students of it? Like you are, you guys got to be meticulous about paying attention to the notes and the structure and the, and the vocals and, and that sort of thing. Is there anything you've learned about ACDC because you're so deep into it that you didn't know as just a casual listener? That's a good question, Dave. I like that. Um, yeah. When, uh, when we, uh, after that first bone bash, we want to get more serious. Uh, Darren was staying with me and, uh, it was back before YouTube. So we were ordering all these like bootleg uh, videos of ACDC and we'd sit up at night. We try to learn all their different moves. And, um, you know, I, I, I sat in my room and I'm learning how to play guitar. And I'll tell you what I, one of my first lessons about ACDC, I sat in my office chair right here learning all those songs. And then it took me about six months or so to get them down real good. And then to start rehearsing with the guys, Angus, the way he jumps around and plays that guitar like he does, was that's where his true talent is. I mean, that took a long time for me to, you know, to run across the stage and, and play like he does. And he's so physical with his playing, too, is what I learned. Um, but, yeah, they're, 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 they're songwriting. Um, we, we've definitely been to the AC, ACDC school. Um, we reflected... Uh, when Jason was asking about our original music, we released the music, uh, a, a record called uh, uh, Strip Wired. And uh, by uh, being in this ACDC school all these years, uh, we applied that knowledge into our own uh, songwriting process. And we came out with a great record that's heavily ACDC influenced. It's a um, great it's a great record. Uh, it called? Oh, thank you so much. It's called Strip Wired. Is that the name of the band or the title of the oh, album? Self-titled. Oh, yeah. Okay, both. Yeah, okay. Sorry, yeah. yeah, Dave, yeah, you yeah. need to hear it. I think you would love it. I have turned uh, many I friends see. onto it that like that kind of stuff, that like Broken Teeth, that like Rose yeah, Tattoo and Rhino Bucket and stuff like that. And yeah. it sits right there with it. It's, If I may, uh, not to give a personal review, but it's blatant because it needs to be. Yeah, for sure. Because you, you know, oh man, it just sounds like ACDC. Thank you. <laughs> is how that conversation should always go. And if someone doesn't understand why we, all three of us here, appreciate that, that sort of like ball of wax that I just threw up in the air, fuck them. Sounds like you've had this conversation before. <laughs> well, 
<laughs> Obviously, because that's right. what they say when they hear my band. Oh, exactly. It sounds that's like ACDC. I'm like, thank you very much. Yeah. Dude, um, great inspiration to have. Nothing what are wrong your, uh, what are your right. three favorite ACDC songs to play? Oh, good question again. I love, um, let's see. I've been getting into uh, Riff Raff, the studio version. Mm. Um, that solo, the studio version of Riff Raff, the solo is, is, is totally stands out. It's, it's not unlike Angus's other solos. Um, it's, it's really technical, you know, he's really soulful and bluesy, but this one is a little bit more technical. Uh, there's, it's pretty challenging. So, um, I am enjoying playing that one now. Cause I, I've got that down. Um, I love damnation. That one is just a simple little song. And I just love playing it. And I love, uh, touch too much. Yeah. Those are my favorites. Yeah. How long did it take you to master the duck walk? Again, that was a while. I tell you the hardest move <laughs> Angus does, and it took me eight years to do it. And now I can freaking finally do it on the breakdown of back in black where it goes and he goes back and across the stage, skipping forwards uh -huh. and backwards while playing that riff. And uh, I can finally do it, but that was pretty tough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That sounds because that's kind of a, a hairy riff anyway, but I don't know. You got your downs and ups zigzagging the whole thing. And also they play the, they play the B on the E string and they're also using the B on the A string when they play the, when are they play those riffs. And so people aren't even knowing that until they have studied ACDC. So, uh, do, do you, back to like you guys, you know, wearing the outfits and actually trying to actually look, you know, enough like the classic lineup of acdc when you play live so it's just that more attractive um have you have you heard people say because i have heard people say that that is the tallest goddamn angus young i've ever <laughs> seen in my life i tried to get the surgery to get reduced but it didn't work out well you don't, you don't say the, you don't want to do that yeah Watching the movie, I thought the same thing, and I could really see it in in Mike's hands because I'm watching him play, and I'm like, he's got these monster hands, <laughs> and he's super tall, and like yeah. Angus is the exact opposite, very compact and small. But yeah, well, that's that's why the Gibson SG is a perfect guitar for Angus, and and I can't imagine oh, okay. Angus playing anything else. But the point uh, that fits that fits what we're talking about here is, let's see if you're you know six one. Six two. How tall are you? I'm six one if I stand up straight. Yeah, six one if you stand up straight. I'm <laughs> five. I try to crouch a lot when I play. I I, start, I try no, to stay low. You, you're doing a great. <laughs> you're doing a great job. But the point uh, that I'm making is here is that guitar is already small. So here's this six foot slender man with big hands playing this baby guitar, right? So you're having to like, you know, right. press a button and. <laughs> deflate you know to fit the 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 cost the idea of playing angus in a tribute band i, I think you do a bang up job uh, thank you the um you know i was thinking earlier when we were talking about you know a tribute band that cares uh you know will at least try i mean fuck darren even cuts his hair like bon scott which is almost a sin because who would want that 
what the hell kind of, is it a mullet? Is it a, it's a mullet sometimes and it's not a mullet sometimes. So, you know, he does a really good job and then the hat makes it Brian in a, a second. Um, but you know, without being, um, an asshole or just saying anything, uh, not PC, however you want to slice it. Right. Uh, I just want to go like, a, uh, above, uh, all of that just for a second and and say do you think that the tribute bands that have like um a slightly overweight paul stanley are going to be as attractive as the ones who have the correct sized angus or right. you, you see where i'm going with this right, right, i'm trying right. to be i don't mean any harm i'm just trying to be as it's no, absolutely. Cool. Yeah. No, yeah. I don't want because everyone loves rock and roll and I don't care who you are or how tall you are or what size your panties are. You should be able to play rock and roll just like us. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But do you, but do you think that it's do, you know, this band makes more money and has more gigs and is busier because I mean, those guys are on top of it. They look great, they're in shape, they're making money, they know the songs like the back of their hand. Other guys are just kind of the different kind of weekend warrior. They're literally Friday night for 20 people. And you guys are like in front of a thousand the same night across the street. Right. Right. Do you feel like that is a truth? Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. Like the, um, the bands that look, have the right look and give a shit and, and are, are so busy with it now that they actually did quit whatever, like to quote myself, disposable job because the money's getting good. We're flying. We do flying right. dates and play on rented right. gear now, you know, right. all of that. Yeah, that's stuff. so nice. That's yeah. so nice. And, and you know, too, Jason, that um, an audience uh, sees through all the bullshit, you know. They, they, that's what they, I wanted you, know, you to say. That's what yeah. I was fishing for, yeah. Yeah, because um, if you're up there playing with heart and um, maybe you're not the best guitar player or, you, you know, you're a little overweight, man, you're going to win me over. That's right. You know, I can see that's 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 your passion. Yeah. But, you know, if, if you're just goofing on it, then get off the stage, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I see I see videos of tribute bands that are auto you know they the sound even the even the audio that i hear what probably most of the time youtube videos or tiktok videos or whatever is shared with me holy shit check out this video and and i'll see and the angus looks really good really fucking good but you know what standing in one place the whole goddamn time yeah, yeah. that's not angus young and that throws right. it that throws it away from me if they would have right. just sent me the audio i'd be like god damn these guys are good they're nailing their shit but it fucks me up to see this oh shit he looks really good wait a minute he's yeah, just I, I think the, he's wearing out a hole in the floor you know yeah i think the believability factor is, is huge if you're gonna take it to the next level and and rightfully or wrongly however you want to cut it at the end of the day this is business and you, you know, a, a promoter is going to be more stoked about a band that looks the part, sounds the part, et cetera, because that promoter knows that the that the audience will come to that. The audience is not going to be as enthusiastic about guys that don't look the part or, or God forbid they can't play. But you know what I'm getting at. So, you know, and, and, you, and that's you can take that school of thought outside of the context of rock and roll. It's just anything in the world. If you're going to be good at it and get paid at it and people are going to invest in it. You got to do it right, you know, and uh, 
I think in your case, you guys obviously wear the right costumes and all that stuff, but you guys look the part and play the part and everything. And uh, yeah, I, I keep going back to Darren, man. I, I have to say I was a little uh, skeptical because I didn't, didn't know much about your band. I've heard the name cause I live in Texas, but uh, watching the video and watching him just nail that Brian Johnson, especially the Brian Johnson for me, uh, and he does bond amazing too. Don't get me wrong. So, so give us a sense for people that aren't familiar. You do both Bon and Brian tunes when you do a gig. Is there, is it, is it chronological? Do you do the Bon set first and then the Brian set afterwards? And is there a point in the catalog where you stop with the Brian stuff? Like, do you do anything from Black Ice or Stiff Upper Lip or is it just the classics? Uh, Dave, what we, when we started, we thought we'd do chronological. We start with, you know, Bon years and then go into the Brian stuff. Um, but, uh, reading the, the audiences, we, we came up with a pretty cool formula. Um, now the Brian Johnson stuff is the most popular, you know, the, you know, back in black, you know, and hell's bells and shook me on it long. Um, it's cause the, our demographic is the ACDC fan and then the, the ACDC fan that brings his wife. And the, you know the wife's like to hear, uh, you know the, the 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 Brian songs up front. So we we do, we hit him with some Brian, and then uh, Darren goes off stage, and then we in the middle of the set we do all the Bond stuff, and oh, then nice. and then we figured you got to end it with Thunderstruck and for those about to rock. Mm -hmm. So then he goes off stage again, and then he'll come up and and we'll finish up with Brian again, and it's 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 kind of a weird formula when you take a look back at it, uh, but it works really well. Um, and then with the Brian catalog and the ACDC catalog, it's so great. I mean, what a great band to tribute, you know, there's so many great material. Um, yeah, we've done stuff off of uh, a Black Ice album. Um, we were going to try to do uh, Miss the Time from their recent release. That's a great song. That is a great song, yeah. Yeah, great video too. Um, yes. But yeah, we try, we're professionals now, so we know there's the six or the eight ACDC songs we have to include every night in a set. Those sure. people got to hear. And then, then we get another nine deep cuts that we can rotate. Uh, and then we have a great set. And, and it's a blast. You know, we're always learning new songs. We don't rehearse, right, Jason? We just tell the guys how to do it. And then That's right. Get it going. Here's, the, here's the set list. Right. I've literally, this is mainly for Dave, I've literally waited until before I load the car to get the set list. And then that, and then in my drive to the gig, I'm listening to the songs that were not on the set list that I did you, with you guys last time. Right. So, and then, and then, and then sometimes, and I'm not complaining because you know I'm just following the leader here. I'm following the Brian and the uh, the Brian Bond and the Angus. Is like the songs I was shitting my pants the most on that had weird turns in them or something. You know, like Runaway Train or whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'd be like, I'd be like. Now we're going to do it now. And then now nah, let's not do that one. Let's do touch too much instead. I was yeah. like, so wait a minute, wait a minute, wait. keep you on your fucking toes. You so. were, you were in back in black for a bit, Jason. I like this question. I did oh, not know this. Uh, sub. Okay. How many uh, times have I subbed? Six were, times? Yeah. Who, uh, which, which, which player were you subbing? A uh, bass. So you're Cliff Williams and Mark Evans. Sometimes. Sometimes. Okay. 
not really, but I play one on stage. A, a handful of times, and it was some of the greatest times uh, ever. Okay. And, uh, I didn't we, know that. We should mention David Beeson, too. He's also... Oh, sure. Uh, uh, Mike's got David Beeson in his hip pocket sometimes. Ah, uh, okay. Dave okay. Beeson's probably done more Back in Black gigs than I have, so... Yeah, I think, yeah, I think, yeah, he's in the lead. Wow. Yeah, I would play that one private event, Jason. Maybe it was your first one. No, it wasn't the first one. Um, on that, um, that guy's ranch. That was the first one. I hadn't even I, met you guys yet. Oh, okay. That's, that was that. Yeah. That's yeah, right. yeah. Yeah. And Darren thought I was the bass player in Dangerous Toys because all Darren <laughs> knew is that I was this guy from Dangerous Toys. Uh. <laughs> but that's okay. That's completely legit. At least he didn't like, you know, act like, you know, he, he actually knew who I really was. He, he didn't have any fucking idea. He was just trying to be nice when he introduced right. me, introduced him when he was showing me around. Um, Speaking yeah, that bass players. That was my first gig with you guys. The guy had llamas and like woolly mammoths roaming his yeah. property. That guy must have had like ten. That guy had all the money. Yeah, and we we played for twelve people. Yeah, uh, and, 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 the, and the money was good. You know, you don't have to say numbers, but it was a yeah. private party, Dave, and it was on a nice hunk of property out there in Bernie. Wow! Wow! Yeah. So speaking of bass players, is your current bass player Stephen Wilson? Yes. Yes, sir. Okay. He and I go way back to San Antonio. You're um, right. Yeah, San Antonio na native. Yeah. I remember him uh, when he played with Patrick Kennison in a band called Boys in Heat. And that yeah, came way back. He's been around, and, man, he's such a great player, such a nice guy. He's got a great story about running sound for Nirvana when they came through San Antonio. Wow. Were you around for that? Oh no! Uh huh. By the yeah, time well, Nirvana hit, I had moved away from San Antonio. So okay, okay. So yeah, I have no, to ask I, him about that. Oh wow! No, I did well, not. Know well, that. Nirvana came through Austin, but it would, and around the time that Nirvana first time hit Austin, it would have been the Bleach tour, where they're in a shitty van, and so right, you were probably it. Dave. You were probably still in San Antonio. You just didn't. You just were too young or maybe if, whatever. If, if he ran sound on the bleach tour, then, then possibly in Austin, they played, I mean, I just heard about it. They played down. I think they played the cannibal club, which was down on Sixth street. Oh, wow. she, yeah. prob they probably paid for 30 people, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So do, Mike, do you remember your first ACDC gig as a, as uh, a spectator? Yeah. Um, I, I didn't get to see him until I was here in Dallas and it was uh 96. Uh, oh, wow. Summit Reunion Arena, and uh, it was amazing. This is amazing. I had great seats for it too. I was in the I was in the video game business. I took um, my client um, uh, from uh, GameStop, and uh, <laughs> we were like uh, the sixth row. It was amazing. Oh wow! Wow! Yeah, that's wow. the way to see it right there. Yeah. 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 Well, so, I want to. Go ahead, Dave. I, 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 I just want to. I wanted to address the elephant in the room now, uh, going back to Darren again. So if people aren't aware, Darren, you guys, yeah, we should, we should spend some time talking about that. Now everyone needs to see the movie, my trip, my stupid tribute band to get the full gamut and rainbow of colors, because you actually have your crew interviewing everyone in the band you're talking to like people who work for Live Nation. You're talking to friends and family who everyone's trying to get a hold of Darren because this important 
message these messages were sitting on someone's answering machine about about acdc calling to who's this guy darren we need to fly him to atlanta please call us back you know and and everyone's like where the fuck is darren kind of thing uh but yeah. yeah we should talk about this but everyone needs to see the movie again so dave your question was yeah the so the the question is um you know you you Catch the attention of ACDC. I mean, talk about the highest honor if you're in a tribute band. Um, you're contacted by ACDC. They want to fly out your singer to audition because Brian Johnson has hearing issues in like 2016. Can't finish the tour. An ACDC tour, massive. Can't finish the tour. They're desperate for a singer. They find, uh, they discover Live Nation Darren. tour. Live Nation. Yeah, they discover, they discover Darren. They hear about Darren. Um, they fly him out and you actually go with him. So, Hell yeah. So I was you're, miss that. <laughs> yeah. So you're actually in the, and he auditions with the band. He's, this is not send us a tape kind of thing or whatever. He actually performs with ACDC in a rehearsal room and you're there. So, um, I was curious to know in such close proximity, were there, was there anything, any mannerisms or any personality traits about the guys in the band that you would only be aware of if you spend time in close quarters with them that you never knew about as just a fan of the band? They're, um, good question. Yeah. Very good question. They're a very, very tight family. Um, they're all about family and, and they're a, a very loyal group. Um, you know, Angus, uh, had his wife with him and I got to spend some time with Ellen. Um, and you know, she told me she was there on that tour supporting him because it was right after Malcolm died mm -hmm. and he really missed, you know, family being around. So he, he asked that, you know, she join him. Um, being in the same room and watching Angus play his guitar, he's truly a guitar God. I've never heard a guitar sound like it sounded when he picked up that guitar and just, with his vibrato and his his touch, it was it just blew me away. I don't think um, it gets talked about enough. Let's dwell on this for just a couple more minutes. Okay. He is a master blues guitar player. You you take it from there. Yeah, it, a, a real soulful. I mean, it's all blues based. All the songs are blues based. You of course. Know? And, um, he, his he, he, but he could be in the Rolling Stones and he could play with Freddie King and he could go, yeah. he could, he's a blues man. Yeah, for who sure. Just, who really. just plays louder than fuck. Right. Yeah. Right. And he's got a, a nice swing to his playing that I really love. And, um, but yeah, the guys were just so nice and so kind. And, you know, we, we, and we tried we wanted to be professional, you know, this, this was a professional opportunity, so we couldn't geek out and be fans. And uh, I talked about this in the documentary and they rewarded us because they treated us like their peers. They wanted to know about us. They're asking us about the band. They're asking us about, you know, the, the venues we play at. Um, Angus was asking about, you know, my amp and my guitar and stuff. And it was just, wow. it was just amazing, you know, and, and they really uh, made us feel comfortable, you know, cause we, we were, really excited and really nervous you know sure um, but another thing i'll tell you about meeting these guys it's beautiful they that they all. it's beautiful that they did what what i call they let you in yeah they did because really of your because of your honesty they just let you in all the way you were you, yeah you they opened the door and they they just let you have it yeah it was it was tremendous and 
another thing about meeting those guys is that they were all kind of rattled. You know, yeah. they've never been in a situation like this before. You know, here they are. They had a shutdown in Atlanta. They're at the Four Seasons Hotel. They had 20 huge dates left, 10 in Europe and 10 in the United States. These are big arenas like uh, Texas Stadium here, you know, 60 to 1,000 seat, 100,000 seat arenas. Yeah. So, and they didn't know what was going to happen. And you could you could hear it in their voices. And, and Wow. Um, they were nervous, you know. And Angus Tony said, I, I have never missed a show. He said, I don't want to miss these shows. I want to, I, I got to make something happen. And that's why you guys are here. Um, Can you imagine so, just having to find a place to park all the semis? Okay, stop. Brian's going home. And you've got like 20 semis with PA and, and staging. And what the, what do we do? Right. Are, yeah, are, it was all, are all those drivers and gear and everybody crew, are they on retainer the whole time? I, mean, I, I believe they all were, yeah. Crazy how much money yeah. that they were kind of lose. Well, they weren't losing because it was a live nation bought and paid for. But right, the right. band was trying to make up those dates by doing exactly what you're talking about in the inner sanctum. By the way, where was this undisclosed uh, rehearsal taking place? These auditions. It was, in yeah, Atlanta, it was right but, outside, but where? It was right outside Atlanta. Um, they had to stay downtown at the Lowe's Hotel, and it was about a 15-minute ride. It was a professional studio. And please forgive me. I can't remember the name of it. That's okay. um, it was the Black Crow studio, I know, that they always rehearsed at. Um, and let me tell you, we walked into that room. It was a huge, one, one of the biggest rehearsal rooms I've ever seen in my life. And it was this, this big set of double doors. And that's when it hit me that we were really with ACDC. Uh, I mean, Angus and Malcolm or Steve Young, I got to say, they each had eight full 100-watt stacks on each side of the drums. And it was, every amp was on, and it was the loudest, loudest, loudest sound I've ever heard in my life when they played. They warned was, you, though, didn't they? Wow. Yeah, they did, and I, I, I can't even describe to you how loud it was. I mean, it was, it was the loudest sound I've ever heard. No wonder Brian um, had hearing issues. Oh, uh, yeah, for sure, you know? <laughs> Um, but that's Angus wants to feel it, and man, when he hits he hit that first chord, you can feel those waves traveling through your body, you know. And yeah. After all these years, you just had to keep turning it up, turning it up a little bit, you know. But their stage volume is ridiculous. Wow. It was really cool. It was really cool. <laughs> I bet. So I how 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 sworn to secrecy are you at this point? I mean, t give us a sense of the degree to which you are bound to secrecy. What are, they, what are they telling you before they fly you out? As far as you can't tell anybody, you know, yeah. you were, yeah, you, you were not in the room during like, while Darren was singing. Is that correct? Yeah, it was, it was too painful. Um, it was, it was, it was too loud. And plus um, I felt it would have been weird to be standing in the room while they're rehearsing. I, I didn't want to do that to them. Right. You know, kind I, of a weird but, body, weird body right. kind of thing. That's not, right. that's, it was cool. And they said, um, you know, if you want to go in and check on them, you know, you're welcome to do that. But I just stood outside the room. Uh, and then Darren uh, was with the band. And even outside the room, it was ridiculous. Um, but they started, Angus said to Darren, said, okay, what song you want to start with? And they had the rocker bus set list on stage. And Darren said, you know, let's just start with Hell's Bells. That was their opener. And um, 
they just went straight down the list. You know, we thought it was going to be a three or four song audition when they prepped us. They said, hey, you know, we don't know what's going to happen. You know, Angus is going to call the shots. Just just roll with it. He said, expect probably minimum of, of three or four songs. And anything after that, you're in bonus territory. I was hearing I was yeah. hearing all about these these auditions. And, and I actually submitted uh, some songs. I know some people and who who knew some of their people. And so there was a list and it was actually a lot of people kind of gunning for me around here and, and out in Los Angeles that knew people at their management and stuff like that. Of course, nothing, nothing ever uh, happened with it. But the but the point is, I had my ear was to the fucking ground, you know, because I was worried about one of my favorite bands of all time and Brian and what was to transpire. You know, I was hearing rumors about Axel even that early, mm-hmm. uh, but the but the the information that seemed seemed to be the most truthful that I could I I I I accepted. I was like, oh okay, and it was the fact that everybody that they did roll through only got to do three and point five songs. Tell yeah, so, us so about you're saying what, Darren, you said Darren w- made it to bonus territory. Tell us how, about how, it, how deep into bonus yeah, it's, territory. It's in the movie. It's in the movie. So, I mean, we're kind of blowing it a little bit, but you got to you got to see the fucking movie because it's coming from the horse's mouth. But I mean, I feel like was it like, OK, you know, they, they do three songs and and it's like I'm, if I was a fly on the wall in my mind, I'm like, Darren's like, you know, OK, I need a smoke. Angus, it was nice to meet you. It was, hey, all you guys, I, 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 I'm honored. I'm going to go smoke a fucking cigarette. Oh, my God, I love you. I'm not fanboying out. See you later. This was the best time of my life. And is it true that Angus was like, well, don't you want to play some more kind of a thing? That's exactly what happened, and and Darren was shocked. I mean, and then the, the so let me go back to Dave's question, please. Uh, the secret please. question, yeah, uh, yeah. When they told us about the audition, they said, "Please don't tell anybody." And then when we did the audition, they said, "Can't tell anybody until we make an announcement." You know, please respect that. And I heard that they um, had hired a drummer, and the guy got on social media and started bragging before ACDC made the announcement one time and they, they cut him off. Mm. They said, you know, sorry. So we knew we had to respect that. Um, and it was hard, you know, we, we told our loved ones, but we, we, we truly kept the secret and it was, it was really fun to finally let the world know. Um, and then back to the, uh, the auditioning process. Um, you know, I heard a bunch of rumors, you know, they contact Sammy Hager, you know, I, I was curious, you know, like if they had contacted you, Jason, I, and, and I, was, I was really interested to hear your story there. Um, and really interesting, I, I was able to meet Steven Tyler in Vegas, and I asked him if he got the call, because I had heard that he was wow. at this audition. And he said, yeah, they did. And, but he said that stuff was too high for me, and he said I had Aerosmith stuff going on, so I couldn't do it. Stop and right there. So, 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 Steven Tyler, who has the highest fucking voice in rock, says that shit's too high for me. Yeah. Let's contemplate that for a second. Let's feel the heat. Let's feel the heat off of that truth right there. It's yeah. crazy to hear the hear the man say that the man. No, I can't do that. It's too high. Yeah, I, I, I was kind of shocked by his yeah. answer too. But yeah. that, that was his. My exact quote from him was, "That shit's too high." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty good. Yeah, 
Yeah. And then uh, I, I, I got to talk to Robin Zander too. And uh, he said that they called him, but he's such a close friend with Brian. He wanted to oh, have right. Brian's blessing to do it. Mm. And he said he didn't felt that uh, it was right for him. Right. So, wow. so that's interesting. So are we to assume that ACDC, the guys in the band weren't necessarily concerned with Brian's blessing? Yeah, I don't know. I okay. don't know. All right. I just, cause I it's remember a when that situation, it's a delicate situation. At yeah. this point, At this point, I want to intervene and say it's business at this point. Yeah, I, I, I remember when it, it's Live Nation has already paid the band. They have to do this. So right, and I remember when it broke in the press, it was kind of it, it was a little unceremonious, if I you know to to put it delicately. Uh, Brian was suddenly out, and you didn't hear much from his side of the story. And right. ACDC was pushing forward. Um, so I guess we never really knew if Brian approved of this and it, you know, at the end of the day, it's Angus calling the shots, right. And live nation apparently. <laughs> but, right. um, so I was just curious cause that's interesting. I never really gave that much thought, um, as to whether or not the band, when you say Robin Zander felt a little odd about it because he, he wasn't sure Brian would approve that opens up this whole can of worms about, well, did, did, did Brian have any say in this or, or not? I, I think what Jason said, it was definitely a, a business decision. Um, they had, they recorded that record after this all went down. So hopefully uh, things are working out, but I, it was, it was just a really delicate situation because ACDC wasn't saying anything. We didn't, you know, uh, Brian felt, I think he, he had posted something that, he felt like uh, he was let down a little bit or something. Mm. I don't know. I, I got to check my facts, but it was delicate. It was very delicate. So you know? as we all know, the gig went to Axl Rose. I'm curious to know, what did Darren think of Axl's performance? Um, Good question. We liked it. We liked it. Um, yeah. Social media was blowing up when rumor of Axl Rose going to uh, join them. And, you know, because Axl has a bad reputation, you know, playing shows and being a jerk. Um, but when they flew us out to Buffalo to see them, uh, it wasn't bad. It wasn't ACDC. He was very humble. We, you know, he's a big ACDC fan. You can tell he's excited to perform the songs. So we thought he did a really good job. And, and, and Darren said, Hey, I'm going to lose out to an audition of somebody to lose out to Axl Rose. That's not too bad, right? No, not at all. Not <laughs> yeah, at that's all. A, that's yeah. actually a badge of honor. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I was interested in, in how, how bad hardcore fans were reacting to Axel coming in. And let me just say, save the day. Because if you think about it as business, they had to do something. You know, whoever, if it, let's say it was Darren that they chose, he's going to get fucking fried too. People were just yeah. mad that it wasn't Brian. So, okay, they got Axel. They, he's going to put asses in the seats. He's going to sell tickets. He's going to, this is going to be a train wreck. I'll buy five tickets just to see this train wreck. I feel like that was going on. And then you had the other side where people were like, I'm writing off ACDC forever. I can't believe they did this to Brian and blah, blah, blah. I'm selling all my tickets. I'm getting rid of my gear, blah, blah, blah. And then the videos come out. And everyone's watching those videos of Axl Rose fucking crush it. You're absolutely right. That's what turned it all around. 
Yeah. Uh, there is a video, and I believe it to just be iPhone footage, of Axel doing Thunderstruck, and I'm going to get fucking murdered for saying this. Brian struggles on the studio version of Thunderstruck. If you're really fucking listening as a singer, if you're really listening to Brian sing, you know, if you're listening, you can tell there's a little bit of, ah, that's a little rough, but fuck it, it's Brian Johnson. And I, I worship Brian Johnson. The point that I'm making is when you watch Axel do it, it's a piece of cake. He makes it sound so easy. They're in the right key. He's singing it, don't kill me, a little bit better, kind of a lot better, than Brian is on the studio version. It fucking sounds so good. And Axel is singing it like he gives a shit. Right. Yeah. I so, think Axel paid, I, I think he took that gig and gave it the utmost respect. It, it showed yes. his professionalism. Yeah. Uh, the way he carried himself in the press, and he sure delivered on stage. I'm in that camp that says, "Wow, I was blown away." Well, you have to Songs just haven't look, sounded that good in 20 years. You have to look at it like he saved the fucking day, you know, from a business standpoint first, because that means the crew got paid, everyone right. got paid, yeah. the band didn't have to give a bunch of money back to a corporate mogul. Right. Yeah. And everyone yeah. got to work and they finished it. And guess what? They went right into the fucking studio with Brian Johnson. Right. To put out a great tribute, record too. to pay tribute to right. Mal. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. I thought Jason, you're absolutely accurate in that whole actual assessment. Everyone That's needs to get this down. record. This is a fucking great record. Yeah, it sure yeah. is. Power yeah. up. Revisit this shit right here. Yeah. Power up ACDC. Uh, this one's for Mal. Um, yeah, uh, thank you for saying that, Mike. I, I really feel strongly, as you can tell, about the things that have transpired and, and you and Darren having a front row seat to the whole thing and your relationship with Live Nation and and the work that you guys are doing is fucking great. I, I have a, I have some more. I want to. You got some more time for us? Absolutely. I'm enjoying this. Awesome. awesome. Um, I love the conversation. I feel like there are. You meant, I think you sort of mentioned the haters. There's some haters of tribute bands. But I feel like the haters of tribute bands um, are, they're, they either have uh, legs to stand on, meaning that they're in a proper, successful working band and they don't understand tribute bands, even maybe the ones that are paying tribute to them, they don't understand and they're they're just, they're just they don't they don't like themselves very <laughs> they can't just let it i mean it would be like the biggest band in the world metallica and, and guns and roses they there's a thousand trillion fucking tribute bands why would they be upset that someone is gonna do kiss same right in, in it okay is it easy to do fucking hell no to do it right is it easy to do no not if you want to do it correctly, because it's going to be your job talking about you. The haters uh, that are successful, that play original material, who are not so successful, who are, 
you know, like, fuck these tribute bands. They don't even write their own songs and blah. They're not even looking into your personalities, where you've been, your history, the fact that you've had multiple original bands and you, you, it just, you couldn't get a break. You couldn't get a hit. You, you, you maxed out all your credit cards and uh, stole from your parents so you could go on tour or whatever. All of that dumb shit that young people do to try to make it, they did it. And it didn't work. So now they're in this tribute band that's actually, they can pay their bills and buy a new car and have a nice anniversary vacation with their wives and blah, blah, blah. And they're in a fucking dumb, stupid tribute band. What do you think about this strange string of connection between someone who's in an original band but hates tribute bands and they're slumming it and they're seeing a tribute band play, play to a packed house a hundred times a year and have like a lot of zeros on your tax return. I mean, uh, a lot of zeros in the, in the, in the, right. in the green. In a good right. sense. Yeah. Not right. the red. Yeah. <laughs> it's, um, what do you say I, to them? How would you turn them? How would you, are, uh, no apology necessary, but what would you, what is your feelings? It's, it's tough. I, you know, every, every profession that has haters and, you know, it's just, yes, you're what are right. you going to do, you know? And so I, I, it, it bothered us a little bit at the beginning, but now it's like, you know, what can I do? I can't sit down with each and every one of these guys and say, okay, okay, here's, I'm in the band, but man, I, I paid my dues, you know, please respect that, you know? Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, it's I can't not. do that, you know? And that's one nice thing about the movie, you know, maybe that'll open up some people's eyes, you know, not just our band and, and, and see that in, in the other tribute bands and cover bands out there, you know, it's just, there's different types of musicians out there and, and different forms of entertainment and and this is one that's really fun and 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 it's working for me now yeah, yeah it is yeah, yeah i'll say so <laughs> i'd yeah. say so i want to uh, let me let me go back to the acdc thing real quick uh you know i i understand you guys were this is the fanboy in me um i understand you guys were being professionals and i applaud that and that's really cool but did was there did you get to walk away with any kind of souvenir besides the memory did you get an autograph or a snapshot or anything or was it strictly handshakes thanks for having me and we're out the door uh um tr uh the guitar techs gave us some picks which okay. is kind of cool from their private collection uh we didn't ask for them um that's cool. That yeah, makes it yeah, and, better. Yeah. At least we had that. Yeah. Um, but it's just, I mean, they came up and they, 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 they walked me around and showed me all their gear. It was before, uh, you know, Trace posted that, uh, uh, um, that, uh, uh, rig rundown with ACDC, you know, Angus's gear and his equipment was always a big secret. And they brought me and they showed me his amps. They showed me, uh, you know, a really great tour of all their gear. And I mean, just taking that home, even though it wasn't something I could hold. Was, sure. It was yeah. valuable to me too, because then I could incorporate that into my tone and my sound. You know, I learned so much. And uh, another thing I took away um, that wasn't physical was I got to see their work ethic firsthand. You know, I saw how they rehearsed. I saw um, how they, uh, they, they, completely finish their songs they don't like 
you know, a song comes to an end, they don't do like a, a, a quick ending. They go through the whole concert ending. You know, they're, 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 they have a real strong work ethic, work ethic. And that really inspired me. That's amazing. That's the biggest thing I took away from that. Yeah. So it was a show rehearsal. They're not just going, yeah, yeah, that's good enough. Right. It was right. like they go 100% on how it's going to portray live a dress rehearsal, if you will. Right. How it's right. really going to time. So they can, it's like you're timing your show. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Tell us, bring us up to speed with what you're doing today. Obviously, Back in Black is an ongoing thing, but uh, do you have any uh, additional strip wired music or anything else you want to share with our audience that sort of brings us up to, to, up to speed with you today? I appreciate that. No, nothing new on the stripwired front, but what's really fun about the documentary uh, is it we incorporated a ton of our stripwired music as background music. So I hopefully that might be a unique way to promote new music now. You know, maybe in that documentary, people will hear our new our original music. Um, the band, we've got some great dates this year. We're going back up to the Hard Rock in Sioux City, Iowa, which is an amazing venue. We're playing Sturgis again on a Saturday night. Nice. That's the second time. Wow. Uh, uh, some, another, uh, House of Blues, some great rooms. Um, uh, and I was going to touch on this real quick. I, I couldn't get the ACDC song rights for the movie. I tried so hard. Even my connections with the band, they when they call them sync rights because we're doing a cover version of their song. And they said uh, ACDC is not allowing any cover versions in any kind of movies now. It's got to be truly original ACDC music. So that was a little uh, obstacle I had to face in the movie because I, you know, I wanted to include us performing songs, you know, and I, I, I had some investors, I had a budget, you know, to pay them, you know, because, yeah, to get put thunderstruck, I think in a film now is like three hundred thousand dollars. You know, yeah. I was trying to get like thirty seconds of touch too much. You know, to show our first performance, but unfortunately, they wouldn't grant it to us. And so I was afraid that that might hurt the film. But um, so far, I think it works. You know, and it's making people want to check us out after they see the movie. Of That's course, uh, I yeah. think that. Uh, I, of course, I recognized the stripwired songs in the in the movie because for about 30 minutes or longer i was in strip wired that's right that's i had right. to learn i had to learn the <laughs> i had to learn about five songs or something right right uh one time to yeah and then of course dave doesn't know this but uh you were ever so gracious uh to put together a uh, a really cool show. And I wish there would have been more people there and we could have done more of these, but I don't think it probably financially worked out for everyone the way that we would have wanted to. And Dave, I'm just telling you this because you would have fucking loved this gig. It was Broken Teeth opening for Stripwire. Oh yeah, that's right up my alley. It, it was just a <laughs> night of that kind of pub rock. And it yeah. was just, you know, iron fist in your face kind of shit for yeah. two hours. And that was a fun night, yeah. We had a, such a good time. Uh, was that the House of Blues here in Dallas? That's right. Yeah. That's right. Wow. So I'm looking at the uh, the Gibson SGs hanging on the wall behind you. Uh, any chance you've got an endorsement deal with Gibson after all this back in black and the movie and that sort of thing? I do. They actually, I they sent me uh, two guitars. Wow. Uh, 
Yeah, they uh, they've been very generous with me. I, I, I'm wow. fortunate. I, I'll, you want to see them? I've got uh, I got this guy right yes, here. Yes, show us the ones that Gibson recently sent to you because that's. Here's, you see that this is uh, this yeah. is the Angus Young model, the signature model from the custom shop. Holy it's moly! A, it's a just a beautiful guitar. It sings and uh, this is a just blew me away. They sent this to me. Wow! Uh, beautiful guitar. And uh, because I, I had I bought one originally, but I, the guitar fell over and I had a, 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 it broke the neck, and that's how I um, I began my relation with ship with those guys. And like, don't worry, we'll take care of you. And then showed up on my doorstep. Holy shit! Wow. And then after that, they sent me uh, this one. The sil uh, silver burst thing? Yeah, this yeah. Is, they only made 400 of these. Holy shit. Wow. And they sent this to me. That's yeah. beautiful. Wow. That's a cool, That's a cool yeah. little guitar. So take that, all you tribute band haters. Yeah, <laughs> no shit. <laughs> Gibson's yeah. sending him guitars. Yeah. <laughs> nice guitars, too. See, right? Wow. God well, now they God. hate you even more. How does that make <laughs> Yeah, I know. I you know. didn't even do anything <laughs> wrong, and they hate you. You know. I know. Yeah. Sorry, I'm no, sorry. Don't, don't, no, don't, no, no guilt, no apologies, no yeah. guilt. Just keep doing what you're doing and and finding your smile, as I like to call it. Yeah, it's this band gives a lot of smiles for sure. Yeah, most most important thing. I really wish Darren could have been here because uh, Dave, I think that you would have enjoyed his a, a bit rough honesty about certain things, maybe. Um, but that's what I love about him. And, uh, I think that you guys are, uh, kind of the, the motor behind back and black. I think that you guys have kept this together and, uh, made some really great decisions, decisions together to make back and black what it is. And that's probably why you had to, another reason that you had to make this movie because you had something to say and you've learned a lot about what it is you're trying to do, uh, exposing the, the pitfalls and the, and the awards that are still to right in front of you tomorrow, the next day, you're going to fall down. You're going to get back up. You know, it's, you'll make mistakes. You'll, you'll rectify, you'll get a new guitar. <laughs> For free from Gibson, you know, shit like that. So, uh, I just really, I really appreciate you being here with us today to kind of talk to us about all of this. Uh, I think that I got to ask pretty much every question that had been looming, uh, since I've known you because usually when we've worked together, the hang backstage is more like a hang, it's not like a Rolling Stone interview, you know. Right, right. So, yeah, yeah, Mike, we do appreciate you joining us today. What a story, and uh, and what a career! Twenty years of Back in Black. That's uh, that speaks, no pun intended, speaks volumes to your uh, your tenacity and your perseverance and your passion for it. So, so good on you. And uh, anyone that's not familiar with Back in Black, you can check out the documentary My Stupid Tribute Band. It's on Amazon Prime. Is that correct? Correct. Uh, it's a it's a fun look in behind the scenes into what makes a band go for twenty years. If you and like, uh, if you if you're an ACDC fan, you have to go see these guys live. Yeah. Uh, not just 
uh, buy the movie, rent the movie, whatever, you should go see Back in Black play live. You will not be disappointed. Um, where can someone buy a strip wired blue vinyl or a CD or a DVD of the movie? Mike? Well, thank, thank you very much. You can go to our website, backinblack.info, and we have a link on there for our merchandise, and you can get all that fun stuff. And tour dates. And tour dates, yeah. And thanks, guys, for having me. I, I, it's so fun to talk about this, that, that ACDC audition, you know, being in the band, I, I never, ever, ever thought we would ever get to meet ACDC. And, and, and like I say in the movie again, it's like, why do they care? We're just a stupid tree band. They're right. the mighty ACDC, you know? And son of a gun, I mean, it's just, I, I, I just, we just love talking about that audition. We'll, we'll never get tired of it. It was really a special time. Well, it seems like, you know, uh, if I may say, and you can comment, it, you didn't start an ACDC tribute band so you could meet ACDC. No, 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 that wasn't the intention. <laughs> that sounds scary yeah. to me. <laughs> yeah. You also yeah. did not form an ACDC tribute band. So ACDC could hear you cover their songs. Right, right. Because that sounds scary as shit, too. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Yeah, talk about something you thought would never. I mean, you, you just can't even dream of that. That's you know, it's just incredible. And I asked you earlier, did you walk away with any tangible souvenirs? But at the end of the day, it's the memory that you just can't replace. I mean, oh my God, who gets to do that, man? That's, I mean, everyone in this room and everyone listening to this podcast would just, you know, <laughs> I mean, just you, you just doesn't happen man i mean that would be amazing just amazing so you've got the best story of all of us <laughs> and plus it gave us another big thing it gave us credibility with the fans you know now we're not uncle bob and his drinking buddies and his tribute band i got a guy that auditioned for the real acdc you know yeah. we got to yeah. check this out right yeah yeah if you're good enough to catch the attention of acdc and have them fly you out and actually put you in the room uh there's something working there <laughs> so what would have happened if darren would have done those 20 shows and then he comes back to back in black and sings are we still a tribute band i don't know i thought wow. that, that, that's a question i had uh but i failed to ask it what would you guys have done I mean, what would the aftermath of that look like? So he does 20 shows with ACDC, comes back to Back in Black. I mean, where do you take it from that point? I mean, I, I don't know, man. That's a great marketing tool. Or does he go off on to some solo career because now he's done this ACDC thing? And I mean, who knows, right? Well, there's I also his legs. <laughs> I, I also think <laughs> keep him from leaving. you guys are making my brain go crazy. Uh, you know, would Darren, this is, this is probably more for Darren, but I'll go ahead and, and, and bring it and put it on the table so we can sort of look at it for just a second. Um, it, Darren captures the moves and the look and everything, whether he's doing Brian or Bon Scott let's say he does these 20 shows or is Angus going to go, okay, you can't really do your Brian or your bunch dick. You need to be Darren, but just sing how you want to sing because Good question you're singing them. But you know, w w when you do bond, you need still need to be you. When you do Brian, you can't wear the hat. It's too close. You know, Axel wore the big cowboys, right. you know, the Stetson, you know what I mean? Right. Which, which I thought was, 
he's like, fuck this. I'm just going to be Axl Rose. And it was great because he's just, he's just being how he ever, however he wants to be. And the band had no, they didn't care. They were just, just go do right. your thing and just deliver the songs. Right. Be, uh, here's, what, here's what happened, Jason. They, uh, we had a, uh, a meeting with their manager and production guy prior to the audition. Um, uh, it was Sunday night. We met him at the Lowe's bar. We're having drinks and we're talking and we're asking, you know, what, what are they looking for? How do they want us, this audition to go? And he told Angus said to tell the manager that he wanted Darren to sing in his own voice. He wanted, okay. he wanted Darren to audition. He didn't want a guy doing an impression of Brian or Bonham. I, I thought that's uh, really yeah. cool that he noticed that. Yeah. But Darren during that audition you know, there was 16 years then he went back to old habits. He kind of started doing his impressions. Um, Angus right. got a kick out of it because oh, when they okay. were doing like the Bond stuff and, and Darren was leaning more towards the Bond voice. Okay. Angus was getting excited about that, you know? Interesting. Even after Angus sort of put in a request that, you know, I don't want a tribute band guy coming in here and right. making this caricature move uh, and, and audible caricature move uh vocal uh vocalization and then when darren kind of uh, just for lack of a better term slipped in some, right. some you know uh, some bon or brian uh that angus got a kick out of it was he was he visually getting a kick out of it or did he actually say something to darren about it uh, i'm speaking for darren but i remember darren saying that uh he remembered angus getting excited when okay. they after that first Bond song, okay, he was and and Angus was excited. They, he loves to play, and yeah. you know he had a good time playing with a, a new singer that audition. You know, well, that's that's, that's interesting. Yeah, he because, he was because able, those are the very things they brought him that brought Darren to the to to their attention. Right? It's the hey, there's this guy who does this ACDC thing, and he does it really well, and we need a singer. So it's the those are the very qualities that sort of attracted him. But then they're sort of telling him, you know, maybe temper it a little bit and don't be an exact clone. And then going back to Axel, you know. Axel's already got an established identity. So they're, they're, I mean, it would have been silly for them to bring him out wearing the flight cap and all that stuff. Axel needs to show up and be Axel. But right. Darren, you know, they could have molded him any way they chose. And it's interesting that they kind of were going to let this unknown guy basically out of Dallas just be the unknown guy. Well, back to Jason's yeah. point, um, you know, it's, it's, it was a big time business decision. And we heard this from uh, uh from Vinnie Paul after the audition, he gave us this insight and he said that Darren, uh, but they had those tickets sold to all those big venues mm -hmm. and who was going to keep, you know, those people in those seats, you know, right. a, an unknown tribute singer from Dallas or a name like Axel Rose. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 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 Big business, man, for sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, I was, big, as big as it gets. That's yeah, I was going to I was going to say, you know, you 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 barely touched on it earlier about how uh, they were a bit rattled, I believe you said, because of the death of Brother Malcolm. And then when you think about, OK, well, we owe this company these 20 shows. So we have to do something no matter what. So this is just going through the dailies. Oh, we got a new singer coming in. Who do we have today? 
right. in hopes that I'm going, oh, oh, and, and you preface it with, uh, hey, Mr. Manager, deliver a message saying we would prefer that he come in and be Darren. Right. Um, that rattled, that those nerves went away when Darren was doing his signature, you know, sprinkling it in with what he does with Back in Black. And then by by that point, and I'm just guessing fly on the wall, no pun intended, uh, the idea that, um, he, you know, he's having fun, therefore Angus is, it's, it's uh, infectious. And Angus is just looking to find his smile because he's, I get to play my guitar and there's a singer here. Oh my God, this is the best. Oh shit. Oh shit! Listen to Darren. You know that kind of a moment. That's where what and you are. You've already explained that in the questions Dave had too. It's kind of where my head is going. I hope that makes sense to listeners as well as you two guys. That that's what seems like could have happened in that moment. That's exactly it. That's any exactly any it. any doubts or nerves that Angus would have had. It's weird thinking of Angus being nervy, but when when you mentioned earlier that they're still in uh, mourning kind of a thing, you know, it's yeah. a, right. They had family there, there just to like coddle them a little bit and take care, you know, and no wonder they had their crew and just, uh, you know, it's a weird time for them. I yeah. love that you had that experience. Cause one of the things I'm getting out of this discussion with you today is that I think we've all, have always looked to ACDC as sort of a working class band, just real genuine dudes. There's not a rock star in the band. You don't read about them in the celebrity gossip mags or whatever. They're just working class stiffs, dude. And they just happen to rock and that's what they do. And to for you to be in that close proximity and be able to see that firsthand and share it with us, like when you when you tell tell us how hospitable they were and how welcoming they were, and how genuine they were. I mean, it just makes you love ACDC even more if that's possible. It just makes you proud. Like this, this is the band I've been tributing, you know, at 16 years at this point. Wow. They're, they're, they blew me away. You know? Yeah. Just... Yeah. Yeah. What a story, Mike. What, what an incredible <laughs> story. Uh, people need to check out my stupid tribute band. It's on Amazon prime. It's the story of back in black Dallas based ACDC tribute band of 20 plus years. Everyone go, to, everyone go to backandblack.info for tour. Yes. And uh, you can get a copy of the movie on DVD. You can also check out Stripwire, their, Strip original, their original material. You can get it on blue vinyl. I'm a proud owner of that. You can get t-shirts, I believe, if you dig the sure. logo. The logo's cool. Okay. Uh, yeah. Thank you, Mike. Thanks yeah. a million, guys. This was really fun. I appreciate your time. Absolutely. On behalf of my co-host, Jason McMaster, I'm Metal Dave Glessner, along with our special guest today, Mike Mraz from Back in Black.